cassava, coffee, and tropical fruit. This week, it's Pura Vida in Costa Rica. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. On this show, we visit places around the world and discover the cuisine that makes it special. This week, the pure life, Pura Vida in Costa Rica. My guest is Adriana Font, founder of Foodie Tours Costa Rica. Adriana is a native Costa Rican with a deep love for the culture and cuisine of her homeland. And she takes visitors all around Costa Rica to discover both indigenous recipes and modern takes on the cuisine of the country. We're talking cassava and a liquor called casica and why the pineapples, papayas and bananas taste so good here. Plus, Adriana shares the best way to enjoy chocolate, why coffee is only now getting popular in Costa Rica, and she tells us about an undiscovered gem of culinary delight. But before we get to that, let me remind you that all the episodes of Destination Eat Drink are available for free at radiomisfits.com. From Mumbai, India to Nelson, New Zealand, from Portland, Oregon to Paris, there's over 120 episodes for you to check out. And if you enjoy them, do me a favor and rate and review. Destination Eat Drink. Adriana, you're from Costa Rica, and I remember when we visited Costa Rica, one of the things that I love so much about Costa Rica is Pura Vida. Could you explain for the audience what is Pura Vida and what it means to people in Costa Rica? Well, Pura Vida is like a lifestyle. It's, um, it's the way to say, okay, we are enjoying life, and that's what it means, pure life. So in Costa Rica, the Pura Vida became like a way to say hi. Um, a way to say it is okay, a way to say take it easy. Um, it's, it's used in many different ways. It's just like part of the culture. Like we call it the Pura Vida life, you know, like uh, when we are stuck in traffic and stressful and then you think, okay, Pura Vida. <laughs> so don't worry about it, Pura Vida. Yes, I'm going to put the music up loud. I'm going to sing and Pura Vida. I'm going to relax because that's it. I'm here. I'm stuck in traffic. So Pura Vida. Okay, <laughs> it's a way uh, to to remind yourself also that uh, we just live the moment and we should not stress so much about things that are not happening yet, but what is happening now. And we take our time for many things. Sometimes tourists find it like, okay, it's a slow service, you know, <laughs> or <laughs> we have to wait a lot or, oh, I've been here. 10 minutes before that, the guy is not even here yet. And the guy comes coming slowly. It's like, okay, I'm on time. <laughs> five minutes more, five minutes less, you know, that's fine. It's, it's just a matter of, okay, if it's not urgent to be there or if it's not urgent that this happens, so take my time. I think Americans are so anxious and so go, go, go all the time that when you come to Costa Rica, it's kind of, you almost have to reset your brain a little bit to be on a Costa Rica time, on a Costa Rica lifestyle. You have to adjust because otherwise you're going to stress <laughs> because if you want everything now, if you want everything perfect, if you want, you, you're not understanding that it's a different culture and then you want to the culture adjust to your needs. 
and it's the opposite. <laughs> if I go to America, I'll have to adjust the American lifestyle. <laughs> you have to adjust to our time. And, and it's interesting because if you're on vacation, that kind of gets you into the mood of, okay, I'm on vacation. Your tour company focuses on local and sustainable uh, food and uh, tourism. What kind mm-hmm. of local dishes can we expect when we take a tour with you at Foodie Tours Costa Rica, Adriana? This is something very interesting about the food tour, and I think that's what makes it very different. It is not much about traditional, uh, typical Costa Rican food, but it's focused on the representation that each chef gives to this dish that he's presenting. We will have lots of local products, um, seasonal products, inspiration in traditional recipes, but chefs will make their own version. They will give their secret touch of, of the recipe. So you can find yuca, which is the cassava. Uh, you can find plantains. We have a lot of plantains. Um, you can find a different variation of uh, a rice with something or a puree. The interesting is how they mix it. They take products that indigenous people used to, to consume and they bring it to the table and they use it for new recipes. They are buying products directly for from the farmers and they just reinvent every recipe. So that's why it's so different. Like Costa Rica, uh, I don't know if you can remember, but people eat a lot of rice and beans yes. all day long. Uh, it's very traditional, basically at home. What I found is that the typical restaurants they are selling all the same. Basically, they are giving you rice and beans in different ways, but in the end, it's rice and beans. That's why, for example, in my tour, we don't offer any rice and beans. <laughs> okay. You'll find it everywhere, different variations. And if you are going to be in Costa Rica for many days, uh, after four days, you, you had enough rice and beans. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is, okay, let's forget about the rice and beans. It's very good. We're proud of it. But first of all, it's a very Latin American dish. It's not Costa Rican. <laughs> but um, let's focus more in what our chefs are doing with our products. I'm, I'm focusing on the quality of the products and traceability. Most likely, I need to know. I talk to the chefs. I need to know where this is coming from. Who is your provider? Um, how do you manage uh, this, this ingredient? So what do you do with the waste of food? How do you use the product the most possible? Like they are, It's very now, and it's good, trending in Costa Rica, that chefs are trying to use a product in every possible way, not to waste. So these restaurants I found, they, they already have this concept of cooking Costa Rican contemporary food, uh, modern food, uh, signature dishes. So we get, for example, we have a lot of roots like tubers like uh, tikiske, ñame, ñampi, all of them is roots. It's like cassava, similar. So they're incorporating these ingredients and they are, for example, instead of of having a a potato puree, they take a tikiske puree or a sweet potato representation and they fry it and they recreate traditional recipes, but totally different. 
it has the taste you tasted you remember oh yes i remember i used to eat something like this that my grandma used to prepare but they add their techniques they are modern techniques to the food and they are using great quality products the restaurants that you go to the restaurant and you ask where is this fish coming from and there's like well from the truck that brought it they're like okay <laughs> <laughs> so this is very important to me promote the local foods in a different way, um, authentic, a lot of creativity, and that they respect the quality of what they're doing. Adriana, you mentioned a lot of chefs in Costa Rica today are taking traditional dishes and putting their own particular spin on them, maybe adding new ingredients or changing the recipe around some way. Give us an example of one or two dishes that might be traditional in Costa Rica but have become modern by these chefs coming in and changing things around? There is this Caribbean dish that's called pati. It's an empanada. And inside it has some beef. So the representation that one of the guys uh, made was to take and make like a dough of, of the empanada, but put it around in the dish. And then inside um, the, the beef, and then add some shrimp to it. So the whole presentation was totally different. But when you were eating it, it was like eating pati. It's like, okay, this is pati, but the presentation was different. That, that could be like one example. Another example could be the traditional tamal, which is uh, with banana leaves. It's a very traditional recipe. Well, there was a chef that actually he took the the um how say like the inside that goes in the banana leaves and he put it outside and he put it like deconstructed so it was a tamal a deconstructed tamal so visually it was totally different but when you taste it it's it's a tamal <laughs> it's a very traditional tamal so that's kind of the ideas they they deconstruct some dishes they change presentation of dishes but in the end you eat it and you have that flavor it's like you feel familiar to it. Here in the U.S., you know, we eat lots and lots of potatoes. And I think, you know, potatoes are great, and I love eating potatoes in different kinds of ways. But there's so many other edible tubers out there, and cassava is one of them that you can have in Costa Rica. Explain exactly what a cassava is and maybe some different ways that we can experience trying a cassava in Costa Rica. Yes, well, cassava is a tuber. Um, it's white inside and brown outside. So basically what they do is they take this off the earth <laughs> and they peel it, take off the skin, and then they boil it. So different ways to eat cassava. People might fry it, just cut it in pieces and fry it. That's one way. Very traditional way and the simple way. Uh, puree. You process it and you make a puree of cassava. You make um, uh, a puree, like a potato puree pie or, or, or dish, you can make it with cassava. And then you have like a, a layer of cassava, a layer of chicken, another layer of cassava, another layer of chicken, and then you put cheese on it. And that's how what we call like enjucal. So another way to eat it, uh, some people can add it to drinks. Oh. Like if you are making a... Um, a chicha. Chicha is like a traditional indigenous drink that will become alcohol. 
So they were using starchy um, tubers or fruits to create it. So that's also even possible. Also, we can have yuca chips, which means it's like potato chips, but instead of potato, it's yuca chips. It's very traditional. If you process the yuca and make like a flour of yuca, you can create many things because, again, it's very starchy, so you can manipulate to have like a yuca uh, flour. So you can use it in so many ways. <laughs> um, and I can keep going. You can add it into salads. You cut it into little pieces and you deep fry it very quickly and you mix it with salads. Sounds great. Let me go back to, you mentioned the chicha because I'm familiar with chicha. I have a friend from Peru and she used to make chicha, but she made it with purple corn. And you're saying you can make chicha with uh, cassava. How is, how is that different? I think it's just the process. For example, they can have chicha of pejivalle, which is another fruit. Um, it's a, we call it peach palm. I don't know if you heard of it before. No. Pejivalle. Well, you have to search on that. But pejivalle, it yes. grows um, in, in a tree, palm trees. It's a fruit. It has the same or very similar texture than the yuca or cassava. So I think it's the process of putting in this, like uh, make a puree and put it into the water and then just like dissolve it a little bit, add some sugars, and then wait for fermentation. <laughs> That's a, a, a chicha is a fermented drink and you can use different ingredients to create it. Yeah, anything you can find that's going to be eating sugar and creating alcohol will will make mm-hmm. a chicha, it sounds like. Is is chicha a very popular drink in Costa Rica? No, it's not very popular. <laughs> okay. For the indigenous people, it is. Okay. And that's something very interesting because I go to a restaurant where they just brought back all the indigenous recipes and they go to visit the tribes and many of the ingredients come from their uh, own farms, or from the indigenous farms. So they are now making all these types of chichas and, and, and drinks that are originally from indigenous. Uh, we uh, normally in San Jose or like in our daily life, we don't drink chicha. <laughs> but it's very interesting to, to know uh, what's the different types of chicha that our indigenous people used to, to drink or that they still drink. What's the name of this restaurant where they're bringing back the indigenous recipes and they have chicha? Siqua. And is that in San Jose? Yes, and it, it means it means foreigner. Uh, for the indigenous people, the Bribris that are located in the mountains on the way to the Caribbean, for them, um, everyone that does not belong to the tribe is a Siqua. It's a foreigner. <laughs> so that's why he took this name just to represent a foreigner <laughs> cooking indigenous food. <laughs> Adriana, you mentioned the fruit in Costa Rica. And one of my fondest memories is for breakfast every morning, just this bounty when we were in Costa Rica, this bounty of fresh, delicious fruit, not all of which I knew exactly what they were, but they were so tasty. When visitors come down and see you in Costa Rica, what are some of the fruits that they're surprised or amazed by that they can't get in their home country? Well, I think it's not much about that you cannot get it in your own country, but the the flavor is totally different or it's it's better. For example, pineapples. Um, people say, I love pineapples here. They just like melt in your mouth. They're super sweet. 
that's that's something that they mention a lot that they're loving pineapples, the papayas, the bananas. I mean, it's things that you you can find in your country, but the the flavor is is never the same because we might export some of those. But uh, in the process of exportation, uh, it's not the natural process of, of how a fruit grows, right? They, they need to go through processes, and then when you get the fruit, it's not as fresh, it's not as good. Here we find a big variety of fruits and very good quality fruits. We have, well, we, we get the star fruits. Sometimes in the backyard of people, it's just falling the star fruits and go to waste because people are so used to have them there. <laughs> yes. We have caimitos, caimitos, uh, I don't really know how to explain that fruit, but it's a purple fruit <laughs> that's delicious, and inside is white. <laughs> um, we have gooseberries also, we produce gooseberries, uh, the yellow ones. Um, we produce pitayas, we produce pitangas, um, we produce, well, we have the coconuts, um, which is not exactly a fruit, but it goes into the sweet thing. <laughs> sure. um, watermelon, melon. There are so many. We have the the mamones, mamonetinos. There are some that I don't even know the name in English. <laughs> um, the the, the pejuaje, which is the the fruit that grows in the palms, that we boil it and we eat it. Uh, we have um, icacos. It's not very common, but the icacos is a, it's like a it, it's like a plump, but it grows at, next to the ocean, so it's a bit like salty <laughs> and dry. It's very you need to write it as a ikako. It's a you need to search it because it's very difficult to explain. It's very exotic. Um, I really recommend going to the market that it's in in Zapote. It's an area in San Jose. It's at the eastern area of San Jose, very close to to where the University of Costa Rica is. Um, they have one of the biggest farmers markets, uh, and there are not many, um, how to say, like it comes basically from the farmer. It's not many people uh, reselling the original product, so it's it's very good product. And then you have there, you can find all types of fruits and vegetables there. It's like the biggest place that, to find variety. That's a great tip because one of my favorite things to do when I visit a new city is check out the farmer's market because then you can actually try the stuff that the locals are eating and try their fruits and their vegetables. Mm -hmm. There are two that are very good. That one that I just mentioned, it's, it's just the La Feria de Zapote. That's the name. <laughs> and then there is another one that's on Saturdays and Tuesdays, different locations though. But on Saturday, it's very close to downtown San Jose and it's called Feria Verde. It's or like the green market. <laughs> um, they Everything they sell is organic. Great. And they have some uh, food stands that are cooking breakfast or other foods with ingredients from the farmers. So it's like organic far farmer's market and organic uh, food stand. So it's very delicious. <laughs> and that's on Saturday? Yes, on Saturday in Aranjuez. It, the location is Aranjuez. And the name of the of the market is Feria Verde. We're talking to Adriana Font of Foodie Tours Costa Rica. Adriana, Costa Rica is one of the countries where you can grow chocolate. 
um, Central America, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's where chocolate is from. It's in the cacao plant is indigenous to those areas. And Costa Rica is famous for its chocolate. And without Costa Rica, without Mexico, we would have no Swiss chocolate, no um, Belgian chocolate. None of that would would exist. Tell us about the chocolate in Costa Rica and how we can experience chocolate in Costa Rica. Well, chocolate is something that is like coming back for some time. We kind of forgot about chocolate, but I think the last 15 years is is coming back and it's going to stay and it's going to be very important for us. The cacao experience, the one that I recommend is to go to the places where they produce the cacao because you can have cacao workshops in San Jose or areas around, but the best is to go to the farm, to the cacao plantations. Uh, Sarapiki, it's a location where you can find many of them. Sarapiki, you get to know from zero, like from the tree, the fruit, the flower, and you hear all the story about how cacao arrived to Costa Rica, like how how it started to expand in Costa Rica, and the different drinks that are indigenous and other indigenous peoples, like from Mexico or, or Guatemala. Um, used to drink the cacao and you go tasting, you, you have the process of, okay, this is the way the Aztecs used to drink it. This is the way Mayans used to drink it. This is the way we started to drink it in Costa Rica. And then you get to know and to, to understand that most of what you eat, it's not really a chocolate made of hundred percent cacao. It's like very, very, very low quantity of cacao, not very nutritional. Then you get to appreciate a good chocolate without so many ingredients, without so many sugars, and, and then you will taste the benefits of it. So it's it's the whole experience. You are inside the jungle, in the, the trees, and then you, you talk to your guide, and then you go tasting different variations of, of cacao drink, and then you end creating your own cacao drink or your own chocolate bar. But understanding that you just need basically three ingredients to make a chocolate bar. <laughs> so So that's... That's a nice trip. I, I really recommend to do it. Sounds fantastic. I think it would be so much fun to create your own chocolate bar and then get to sample it and or take it home with you. Yep. And that's totally possible. <laughs> <laughs> now, on your tours, Adriana, you visit uh, some of your tours. You visit local farms. Talk about the importance of local farms to the cuisine and the things that you eat in Costa Rica. The places I visit, the farms I visit, they grow what they can grow organic mostly uh, for people around in the neighborhood or for their own family so I, I search for these little farms first because they don't use lots of pesticides um, they keep it mostly organic then because I like to support the family and to get the people to know how is the rural lifestyle of that family that works for the farm and to get to know the, the, the people, the culture, and to help them by buying and apporting a little bit of of money to this family so that they can keep growing. So the, the biggest importance here is that they keep growing these products, that they don't sell the land to a big, um, I don't know, banana plantation company that is not local or a big pineapple plantation company that is not local that they don't say, okay, I give you my land, 
with lots of pineapples and pesticides and damage the environment. You know, that's what they're doing. Uh, that they still keep it small. They don't have the need to sell the land because we bring them tourists and me and other companies so that they can have that income and they don't have the need of, of losing their land and that we don't lose our products. There are many products like the manzana rosa. It's an apple that tastes like, like roses. This apple, people uh, start to cut the trees to sell the land for residential purposes or, or for other plantations like coffee. And then we start to lose our original products or we, we see them like very rarely, you know, like we don't see manzana rosa anymore in the markets. We see them sometimes. And before it was people selling banana, uh, um, apple, and this, the manzana rosa in the stands and street and not anymore. So the importance is that our farmers keep growing the products that are original to their climate, to their land, and that we preserve it and that we eat healthier. And if through tourism, I can help this to happen and that, they, that we keep loving our products and growing our products and supporting these families. So I'm happy for that. <laughs> That's one of the things I want to do and I would love most to create roots where people can go by themselves, visit these farmers, eat there, know where to go, and and support them and, and that they will keep growing products. I love this. <laughs> this is very important work, you know, not not only in Costa Rica. I think, you know, in the, in the U.S. we've had the same issue with family farms going under. So this is this is something that's incredibly important to preserve not only the food culture, but just the culture in general of agriculture, of family farms. Let me ask you this, Adriana. Costa Rica has exploded in popularity in the last 10, 20 years or so. Even a lot of Americans have moved down to Costa Rica. Do you think the influx of tourists and of expats has been beneficial? Do, do people who come down here, do they realize the importance of consuming local products in Costa Rica? And has it helped these family farms? It depends on the, on the tourists or foreigners. Uh, some of them move to Costa Rica because they love the nature and they respect local product. And we also have the ones that they move to Costa Rica to live in a fancy condo and importing products from United States, for example, and going to buy just in the supermarket, not in the markets. So we have both. I think there are many, and I think there are more, and I hope there are more, the ones that really come here to to promote sustainability, to promote uh, local culture, and to buy local products. I think that's what they love about Costa Rica, not just the weather or the landscape, but the culture and, and the products that we have. And many, many restaurants like uh, at the beach that are owned by foreigners, um, they're very aware of it, and they really try to get their foods from local sources like from the fisherman or from the from from the local farmer market and and they try sometimes it's difficult because they don't always have product <laughs> that's a little issue that that happens with this thing like with this chain connecting uh, producers and and owners of restaurants and hotels that they they don't always have the uh, quantity 
that the business needs. And you can't get it all year round either. You know, there's a growing season. And if you're not going to import it from, I don't know, pick a country, uh, Mexico, mm-hmm. New Zealand, wherever, you're, you're, there's going to be months out of the year where you can't get that particular product. It just doesn't grow then. And for example, something very important, it's a new project with a restaurant of a friend in Dota. Dota is a very unexplored area for tourists. And it's one of the best places for gastronomy because they have three or four microclimates just in a small place. So they grow everything. <laughs> they grow coffee, they grow um, plums, they grow apples, uh, they grow peaches, they have uh, their own fish, they have avocados, <laughs> they, they have um, their, their own breweries for, for beer. Uh, they are very good. It's a very nice location. And there is this new project that's coming. It's a restaurant that will promote uh, KM0, or or we call it Kilometro Cero, which means you are just eating what the land is producing around you, less than one kilometer. Hyperlocal. Yes, this is what he is going to, to do with his restaurant. The first or one of the first restaurants that will take the risk to just sell what it can consume from the land around. And what's the name of this restaurant that your friend is opening in Dota? The name of the place is going to be De Raiz. That means from the root. Love the name. Sounds like a place we have to visit when we come to Costa Rica. You know, Adriana, one of the other important agricultural crops out of Costa Rica is coffee. Do Costa Ricans consume a lot of coffee? Because I know in some countries that make a lot of coffee, the people there don't really drink a lot of coffee. Do Costa Ricans drink a lot of coffee? Yes, we drink a lot of coffee. And that's another thing to talk about, coffee. (laughs) Um, Our best quality coffee is for exportation. Very, very few Costa Ricans get to drink good quality coffee. And that's the thing I'm trying with my tour at least to promote the specialty coffee consumption, uh, at least with my with my clients, um, there are a few coffee shops that they got all together. They go to the producers and they pay to buy between like between all of them. They buy a big bag of coffee, and so that they everyone can have a specialty coffee. And it's not super expensive. I mean, for just one coffee shop to go and buy a whole uh, package or uh, we call it quintal. It's like 50 kilos <laughs> of coffee is super expensive. For a small shop, it's, it's not possible. So there are many small shops that get all together. They they buy it and they, they divide it and they can have a specialty coffee for Costa Ricans. I do take them um, to the specialty coffee workshop. And I explained them that coffee has many ways to be processed and we have many varieties of coffee. When we talk about coffee, it's not just a bush of coffee. <laughs> it's like it's like grapes. You have Merlot, you have Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Malbec. Okay, with coffee, we have many types. We have Geisha, we have Catua, Catuai, we have Bourbon, we have Mundo Novo. We have many varieties of coffee and their flavors changing it changes depending on the altitude of the land depending on the soil uh, depending on the harvest that year it's like grapes 
So coffee has a very similar word to, to wine. And that's something that we were not experiencing. That was just going outside. So with these new coffee shops, which is called the third generation, they go to these farmers, they buy coffee, and then they bring it to our table. And it can be just found in the specialty coffee shops. You cannot buy this coffee in the supermarket or any other other place. You need to go to the coffee shop and buy it there because they, they roast it. They, they, they pack it. Um, and if you want that coffee, you have to go there. <laughs> this would be a place I would definitely want to go. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are the names of some of these coffee shops that are in this cooperative of buying local coffee? Cabra Negra. Cabra Negra. That's like black goats. That's the translation. There is another one that it's also one of my favorites, and it's called the Underground Brew Cafe, and it's hidden. It doesn't have a sign. Oh, good. <laughs> These are my favorite places, Adriana. Yes. You, if you find it on Google Maps nowadays, but <laughs> when it started like four years ago, it was like word of mouth. If you love coffee, you need to know that place. <laughs> then Franco. Franco is a very nice place. They also bring specialty coffee. Uh, downtown San Jose, and my favorite there is La Mancha. La Mancha, they started about five years ago. And I loved that the owner, he's a photographer, and he's also a barista. So he went to buy this coffee to visit the farms, to get samples uh, from the farmers. And when he packed the coffee after roasting it and everything, he put a picture of the face of the workers of the land. Oh, nice. He wanted, okay, this, this guy is working uh, in, in this farm. He's the, the, the one, the farmer. So he took a picture of his face and he put it in the coffee bag. And that and so on with all the producers. Because he says they are the ones that work hard that we can enjoy this. So they deserve, their face needs to be known. And that's how he started. And he called it Café La Mancha. So true. What a great idea. Adriana, if I want something a little stronger than coffee, are there any local drinks or local liqueurs that I should be sure and try in Costa Rica and San Jose? Yes, we have cacique. It's our traditional uh, liquor made from sugar cane. It's, it's like a vodka, but like the, the, the way it looks, and it's a, it's a clear uh, alcohol, and it's very similar to, to cacique, I mean to vodka. The cacique can be used in everything. So that's why it's special. It's not a super great quality liquor. It's very like um, basic. But when you prepare cocktails and mix it with other things, you don't need a high quality liquor because <laughs> then you drink it. Because you're tasting so, all this wonderful fresh fruit and other things. Yes, like the last, the last thing you will taste is the liquor. So that's why... I, we don't believe in preparing cocktails with super quality liquors. But um, Cacique is super good for that. I mean, first, it's very cheap <laughs> and it's very novel and it goes well with everything. We have sour drinks. We have one that is very similar to a Bloody Mary. We call it Chili Guaru and it has tomato juice and it has uh, some spicy like Cayenne. It has sometimes some herbs every every restaurant has its own recipe sometimes have a red pepper or roasted red pepper 
and it goes with cacique and with a little bit of salt. But the variations from from bar to bar are are crazy, are very creative. <laughs> so you must try them. <laughs> that sounds great. I love that Bloody Mary twist on a Costa Rican cocktail. Where 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 would be a bar that we would go in San Jose that would have some of these fun cocktails? I recommend Aguisotes. Aguisotes is <laughs> a weird name, I know. Aguisotes means superstition. Okay. Okay. Um, because in our culture, we have a lot of superstitions, like don't walk under the stairs or be careful if you see a black cat, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. We have a lot of superstitions. The other place to go is 1948. It's the name of the, of the place. It's the first cocktail room in Costa Rica that specialized in signature cocktails using a hundred percent fresh product, which means that they go to the bar at two o'clock and they start to prepare everything. They start to prepare um, the beaters mm. for the drinks. They start to prepare uh, all the the infusions, um, syrups, uh, everything from zero. Like from they go to the farmers market and they buy the ingredients and they process everything. So in the night when they prepare cocktails. Everything has been homemade. They dehydrate the fruits. They they make their own combinations of spices. It's like a chemistry lab <laughs> being there. It's very interesting. And it's the only one in, in, in all the area of uh, San Jose. is quite the, I think, like the only one that works that hard into keeping fresh product. These have been awesome tips, Adriana. If someone is coming down to Costa Rica, they need to book a tour with you. Tell us mm -hmm. how we can get in touch with you and uh, get on one of your tours at Foodie Tours Costa Rica. Well, the best, best way is to contact me directly from the website. That's uh, www.foodietourscr.com. CR because of Costa Rica. <laughs> Foodietourscr.com. Um, I have, I use WhatsApp or iMessage for people to contact me directly on my phone if they want. And also it's very important that they know that um, they cannot instant book anything because everything is so personalized that I really need to get things uh, prepared for a tour. So once you send me the request, I check the date, if it's good, the time, if it's good. Uh, how many people, and then I talk to the restaurants, we work on the menu, we think about, okay, which type of menu, I ask what your allergies are, uh, what's your restrictions, your preferences, so it's not just like to book a tour and, and expect to meet with another people during the tour, like, like, like a massive tour, no, it's private. Once you book it, if someone else booked the same time, if you book first, I ask you, will you mind if I join two more people? And they, if they say yes, I do it. If not, I hire a guide and I send them with another guide. It, that personalized it is because everyone has its restrictions and it's better to be there. So if you contact me through the contact form in my website is the best way or send me a WhatsApp. It doesn't matter what time is it. I, as soon as I see it, I will answer. Um, I take payment with a platform that's called We Travel. It's an American company. So you pay directly to an American company. So you have all the backup that if you have to cancel or if, if, if something happens, you can get your money back from WeTravel. So 
you don't even really have to deal with me if there is a problem. There is there is a, a booking uh, policy that's on with travel, and it's a 24 hours window. It's very short. <laughs> you can cancel one day before. I think people might be wondering what's the tour about. I mean, we go from one place to another one, but uh, I want to clarify that each tour has a concept. And for example, the bestseller has been farm to table. It is like having a big lunch or a big dinner experience, but in different restaurants. So that's why, for example, if we go for lunch, we have three appetizers at first restaurant with a drink. Uh, We have a main dish uh, idea, which it will be like a three or four course tasting menu for main dish at the second place with wine pairing or, or natural drink. Then we will have a coffee workshop, like instead of just offering you a coffee after lunch, I'm offering you a whole um, workshop with a barista that's going to be with us one hour explaining the world of coffee and tasting up to four different types of coffee. (laughs) And after coffee, I think after having a very big lunch and great meal with experience of coffee, the next things we, we can do is to go and enjoy some cocktails at the best place for cocktails. So basically it's a big meal in, in a nice neighborhood, visiting different restaurants and assuring that it's the best quality for local food. That sounds like a perfect day in San Jose, Costa Rica to me. Excellent. So when, when are you coming to visit us? <laughs> uh, soon again, I hope. I would love to be back in Costa Rica real soon, especially since it's raining here on the East Coast of the United States for the last week, it seems. Um, Adriana, thank you again. It's been just a joy to talk to you and I've really learned so much about uh, Pura Vida in Costa Rica. Yes, Pura Vida, whenever you want, you're welcome. <laughs> Come to Costa Rica. And also follow me on my social media, Foodie Tour CR, Facebook, Instagram. I have even uh, Twitter <laughs> and LinkedIn. <laughs> You'll find me everywhere. So. When you come to Costa Rica, we'll be in touch and I will show you the best places to have the local experience and best quality product. Wow. Uh, Who couldn't just go for some Pura Vida right about now? I think after a year, I could definitely use that in my life. Can't wait to get back to Costa Rica. We visited a few years ago. It was really quite special. Trekking through the rainforest, seeing all the wildlife, especially the birds. We even saw a sloth when we were in Costa Rica. But for us, the most memorable experience was going to a beach at midnight to watch a turtle swim up to the beach, dig a hole, and layer eggs. One day, I hope to go back to Costa Rica for the annual hatching of the baby turtles. Well, that'll do it for this week. Next week, we're talking to some rock stars about some of their favorite dishes, so don't miss that. Highly entertaining. And on the blog, I posted a piece about a quirky dish called pizza strips. Get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and Ed Silla, who's living La Pura Vida. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. Wear your effing mask. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.